This morning's reading is from Ruth chapter 3, just Ruth chapter 3, and it's on page 269. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character, Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing, and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to have a look uh, at more detail in Ruth chapter 3, so do keep that uh, open in front of you. Uh, It's page two hundred. Uh, and 69. Should we pray uh, as we look at uh, God's Word? Lord, as we've just sung, we pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see the glorious truths that are in your Word. We pray that as we 
uh, look at this story of Ruth and see the characters uh, living in faith in it. We pray that we would see all of your precious promises uh, that you would open our eyes to see. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What does faith in a covenant-keeping Redeemer uh, look like? I guess this morning lots of us will know lots of facts uh, and truths about God. Uh, We know that God reveals himself to us as a Redeemer, that he makes promises, uh, that he keeps them. But what should our faith in him actually look like? What does it look like to commit to him, to trust him, to live relying on him in our everyday lives? Ruth, uh, I'm sure you've seen, is a a lovely story, Uh, a story of of good people who are blessed by God. Perhaps it also seems quite far away, with all sorts of strange customs that uh, we don't really understand, uh, unrelatable places that seem so different uh, to where we live. But the book of Ruth was written to encourage God's people Uh, who themselves were in a very different time uh, and place to the one described uh, in this book. Uh, And then, just as now, everyone around them worships something other than God. Uh, Some people find themselves in hardship and don't know where to turn. Uh, Others uh, have good times. Uh, And God's people, all the time, face questions of how to live him. So as we look at Ruth, we see God at work, quietly, but undeniably. And as he works, we see uh, the real, concrete faith of his people. I realize uh, it's the summer. Some of you will have been away or are just visiting us. So uh, here's where we've got to uh, so far uh, in Ruth. We're in the time of the judges, uh, when Israel uh, has arrived in the promised land but they're living for themselves, not for God. And so they're doing badly. Uh, We've met one family in particular who have left the promised land because of famine and gone to Moab, uh, which is a bit of an odd choice given the history of their two nations. Uh, The father, Elimelech, has died, uh, and then his two sons die as well, leaving just the mother, Naomi, and her two widowed daughters-in-law. So Naomi decides to go back to Bethlehem, and in an amazing piece of family loyalty, Ruth insists on going with her, leaving behind all that she's ever known. She commits herself, covenants herself, in fact, to Naomi, to Naomi's people, and to Naomi's God. And then we're introduced to Boaz, Uh, Naomi's relative, who in this judge's world of doing uh, whatever is right in your own eyes, seems to be one man who is still trusting God, who is still doing good. Ruth goes to glean in the fields, picking up uh, the the wheat that the the harvesters miss, uh, and just happens to find herself in Boaz's field. Boaz takes care of Ruth, having heard of what she's done for her mother-in-law. 
Okay, everyone with me? Uh, the majority of chapter 3 uh, kind of breaks down into to three sections, uh, each focused on one of the three main characters of this book, which is quite handy for a neat sermon. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, Naomi's confident initiative, at Ruth's trusting faithfulness, and Boaz's general response. And as we look at, at each character, we're going to find some lessons about what true faith in a covenant-keeping redeemer looks like. So first, Naomi's confident initiative. So thanks to Boaz, Ruth has been getting far more from gleaning than you would normally expect. But she and Naomi are still poor. The family land had been sold. They had no one to protect them. Their situation was still very precarious. And now the harvest was coming to an end. They needed a much more permanent solution. And so Ruth, uh, sorry, so Naomi, having uh, perhaps realized that uh, with Ruth alongside her, she isn't quite as empty as she thought she was, comes up with a plan. Now, to understand this plan, uh, we need to understand first two uh, customs of the time. Because um, I'm guessing that as we first read this, it does seem a bit of an odd plan. Now, we know, uh, I hope, that God cares for the poor and the widows. And so he gave Israel various laws to protect and provide for them. The gleaning that Ruth has been doing was one of those laws. And in this chapter, there are two more customs that we need to know about. Leverite marriage and the kingsman redeemer. If you want to look them up later, the relevant passages are Deuteronomy 25 and Leviticus 25. So first of all, Leverite marriage. In Israel, um, family and keeping the family name going uh, were vitally important. If a man died without children, his name would be lost and there would be no one to pass his land to. And so the law that God gave Israel made provision for uh, the dead man's brother or another relative uh, to marry his widow and for their first son to inherit uh, from the dead man. Now, this wasn't uh, a command. You could uh, reject this responsibility, but to do so would open you to public embarrassment. This might seem a, a strange custom to us. Uh, in a society where, uh, I guess, a feeling of attraction is seen as the highest or perhaps even the only valid reason to marry someone. Uh, but remember that there was no welfare state at this time. In most cases, a widow without a father or husband or sons would have struggled to survive. So this custom of Leverite marriage both protected the woman and ensured that the man's name wasn't lost. So here in Ruth, we know that Elimelech has died, as has his two sons, and neither of them produced sons of their own. Naomi is too old to have more children of her own. So the only hope for Elimelech's name not to be lost was to find a lever to marry Ruth. That's the first custom. The other custom is uh, the custom of the kingsman redeemer. 
And this was a broader set of responsibilities of men towards their relatives. And, and here the relevant obligation is that they were to buy back land that a poor relative had had to sell so that that land would stay in the family. Remember, the land that they were in had been given to Israel by God. It had been divided amongst tribes and clans and families. And it was important that uh, the gift from God remained with to whom it was given, rather than uh, it all being purchased uh, by the highest bidder. So at some point, the land owned by Elimelech has been sold, and Naomi can't complete her transformation from empty to full, unless that land is redeemed to the family. She needs a kinsman redeemer. And in chapter 2, we find that Boaz is uh, not just a relative, as he's initially introduced, but if you look at verse 20, uh, he is also one of their kinsman redeemers. And we'll see more of what the redemption actually entails uh, next week in chapter 4, but it is important background for today. So Leverite marriage and the kingsman redeemer. So I guess we should get to the story. Uh, Verse 1. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, My daughter, should I not try to find a home, try to find rest for you, where you'll be well provided for? I guess we've already realized that Naomi is not the stereotypical mother-in-law that you don't really get on with. Uh, Right from chapter 1, even when things were going so badly for her, she has wished rest for her daughters-in-law. But now, in chapter 3, she's going to do something about it. See, she's spotted an opportunity. Verse 2 is, Boaz with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. The man whose field Ruth happened to be in just so happened to be a relative. And he has proved his reputation as a man of standing, a worthy man. And so Naomi sees that as God's work and takes the initiative Here's the plan. Ruth is to get all dressed up, effectively, as a bride. After weeks of hard work gleaning, she's to get rid of the dust of the field, put on uh, the makeup, the perfume, dig out the high heels, find the best dress. She's to head out of town uh, as dusk falls, out to the farm, uh, where the threshing of the barley turns into a party as evening falls. She has to be careful not to be seen, and then she has to find Boaz's bed. It's certainly not a plan without risk. There's danger of scandal or even attack. There's a village full of gossipers uh, peeking through the curtains and wondering why this widow has suddenly taken off her morning clothes and got all dressed up. There's all the the young men uh, at the farm, Maybe some of them have had too much to drink. And there's no way of being sure of what Boaz will do when he finds Ruth at his feet. It is not a plan without risk. But Naomi has confidence that God will protect them, 
and confidence that Boaz will act rightly. And that confidence in her faith leads her to action. How different to that bitter Mara who first returned from Moab. Naomi never turned from God, but at that point she had no confidence to step out in faith, no confidence that he was working for her good. But now, now she's seen God's blessing through Ruth and through Boaz, and that gives her confidence to take the opportunity when it appears in front of her. This is the the first thing to see uh, about true faith in the Redeemer. True faith is active. Naomi could have just sat and waited for Boaz or, or someone else to come and help them. But that kind of passive faith that just sits doing nothing, expecting God to do it all, it ignores how God works. Naomi knows that he has put in place these laws about Leverett marriage and the Kingsman Redeemer. She knows that Ruth and Boaz's meeting in the field wasn't just a coincidence, that God was directing it all. And so as a result of that, she acts, despite the risks and uncertainty. Faith today, too, is not a safe thing, is it? The easy way for us would be to sit back, to wait for Jesus to return. But true faith requires action. First of all, in in turning from our old life and committing ourselves to God. That is an active thing. And then every day in ongoing confidence in God's work and promises. So whether that's being bold Uh, to move the conversation at the water cooler towards Jesus, uh, or entirely changing your life around uh, to go and serve God in a different place, or somewhere between those two uh, extremes. True faith requires action uh, as a result of being confident uh, in God. So Naomi puts together this plan And now it is up to Ruth to carry it out. Ruth's uh, trusting faithfulness. If Naomi's confidence leads her to action, Ruth's trust in her mother-in-law, in God, and in Boaz, leads her to faithfulness. Despite the risks, she follows the plan exactly. She gets dressed up, makes herself look as good as possible, She covers her head to try and avoid being recognized as she goes up. Uh, She heads up to the threshing floor, uh, slips off the heel, tiptoes into position. Maybe the music is playing uh, softly in the background. Uh, Boaz is sleeping. Ruth gently moves the sheet off his feet. Anyone who happened to look in at that point, would have come to one conclusion about what's going on. And it's not PG-rated or at all good for Ruth's reputation. But then in the darkness, the the moment comes, verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. 
Who are you? He asks. Well, this is as far as Naomi's plan goes. Now it's up to Ruth uh, to take a step forward, uh, trusting that Boaz will do as she hopes. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kingsman redeemer. This seems to be a way of asking him to marry her. And it's interesting, the language suggests that it is a fulfillment of the blessing that Boaz spoke in, verse, in chapter 2 and verse 12. The wings of the Lord manifest themselves in the wings of Boaz and his garment. Now, before we uh, jump to conclusions that this uh, is some great love story, where uh, romantic love story, where the girl gets the guy uh, despite the obstacles, uh, we need to make sure uh, we're on the same page as the author. Boaz's first words uh, next suggest uh, the real motivation behind Ruth's actions. Verse 10, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you have showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. See, Ruth clearly had other options for marriage. Men who were closer in age, presumably more physically attractive to her. But Ruth is choosing Boaz. Why? Because of her covenant with Naomi. See, that, that's the earlier kindness that Boaz is referring to, the one that he praised in the last chapter, Ruth committing herself to her seemingly empty mother-in-law. Ruth said that she would stay with her, whatever, that their fortunes would be tied together going forwards. And so now the greater kindness, it's not to Boaz, it's to Naomi. It's to remaining loyal to that covenant and therefore seeking this Leverite marriage with Boaz so that uh, she can save Elimelech's name rather than seeking her own preferences. So this is the, the next thing to see uh, about true faith. It is based on covenants, on promises. Ruth doesn't propose to Boaz because she believes in her ability to seduce him. Now she trusts in the covenants that she is now a part of. Ruth is faithful to her covenant with Naomi, and she trusts God to be faithful. She trusts Boaz to be faithful to Israel's covenant with God. The true faith is not blind based on nothing, or even faith believing something despite the evidence. True faith is based on the promises that God has made and the evidence that he has kept so many of those promises already. Today, at a, at a much later point, uh, stage in God's salvation plan than Ruth was, uh, we have Jesus' promises to look to, don't we? Because Jesus trusted his father and his promises in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to the cross and was raised again, as God promised. 
And so, uh, united with him, we can trust that Jesus is preparing a place for us, that in all things he works for our good, and all the other promises that he gives us. So, uh, when you feel lacking in faith, as I'm sure we all do at times, when the rod around us ridicules uh, what you believe, when little good seems to be happening anywhere, Ruth teaches us to look to God's covenants, to trust in him, stick by him and his promises. So, uh, there is one more character to look at. Boaz's generous response. Ruth uh, has shown herself and effectively proposed. Now, Boaz seems uh, pleased with her actions. He's not kicked her out yet or or woken the others to, to ridicule this woman dressed up as a bride after midnight. But we're still wondering... Is he going to do it? Will he choose to fulfill the role that Ruth and Naomi have asked of him? Or will he find a way out? What is he going to do? Verse 11. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. Yes, this is it. Ruth's promises are over. Uh, Ruth's Problems are over. Uh, Boaz will redeem them. But there's a catch. Boaz might be a kingsman redeemer, but there is another more closely related. Boaz isn't actually required to do anything at all. This responsibility rightly falls on someone else. But the thing about Boaz is that he isn't just concerned with the letter of the law. He isn't going to leave it to someone else. He has decided to extend his generosity to Ruth, whether or not he is the one who ends up redeeming and marrying. So he ensures that she is safe, that no scandal gets out about this late-night meeting. He gives Ruth a very generous gift to take home, and he heads off to business. And that's where we're left for now, waiting to see if Boaz, the man that we've seen to be kind and gentle and generous and committed, whether this is the one who will be Ruth and Naomi's redeemer, or whether it will be this anonymous other kinsman. I think it's clear who we're waiting for. Uh, But Naomi is, for, for Naomi, it is not an anxious wait. Verse 18, then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Naomi knows Boaz's character. She's heard from Ruth how he responded to the proposal. And she knows that he won't waste time. He has said he will do it, and so he will. So a final lesson in true faith. True faith produces a response. Naomi's confident initiative and Ruth's trusting faithfulness leads to Boaz 
acting. Chiefly in this story, Boaz is a shadow of Christ as he steps in to fulfill his role as a redeemer when called upon. He sets a pattern that Jesus fulfills as he goes to the cross to redeem all of us. Not out of obligation, but out of love, and love far more generous than we can imagine. If we put our faith in the true Redeemer, we can be sure that it is not wasted. Jesus too responds, do not be afraid. I have done everything for you. Three characters, each joined by covenants, living out true faith in God. Naomi's confident initiative, Ruth's trusting faithfulness, and Boaz's generous response. Let's pray. Heavenly thank- Father, thank you uh, for this story of Ruth and all that you teach us through it. We thank you for each one uh, of these faithful people who put their trust in you, uh, who trusted uh, your promised promises and covenant, and who lived in the light of that. We pray that you would help us to have the same faith, enabled uh, by the Holy Spirit, uh, and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Help us to live committed to the covenant that you have made with us. In Jesus' name, amen.